Hey guys, welcome to episode six of season two of the Fitness Experiment podcast. Jesse and I have a special episode for you today because we're here with another guest. So you guys don't have to keep listening to Jesse and I blabber on with marbles in our mouth. So today we're sitting here with Dion Keller. So Dion is a high school teacher, but also what I would call a high level strength and conditioning coach. So he teaches grade 12 exercise science. Um, I've lectured for his classes a couple times. He always has an awesome setup with his classes, teaches amazing lessons. That's more in actually part two of this episode. So today is part one. So this is a long one. We talked for well over two hours. And to be honest, we didn't even talk about everything that we wanted to include. So today we're going to focus on, Dion talks about his recent blood work that he had done. We'll talk about um, some inflammatory markers that he looked at. We looked at some hormones and a few other markers. We then talk about what his typical diet has been as of late, how this might influence his blood work. And then we talk a lot about kind of just his his daily habits when it comes to nutrition, diet, supplements, that type of thing. Because as I said, I would call him like a high-level strength and conditioning coach. So he coaches athletes during the season and off season, but he also trains at a high level himself. He's don't quote me on this. I believe he's 36 years old. And I always joke that you'll hear me mention it in this one, that his body fat percentage is usually his age with a decimal point in between. So about 3.6. So I hope you guys enjoy this one. I think you're really, really going to dig it. So like I said, this is part one We have another part two coming, part one, more about, like I said, this lab work, fitness, diet, that type of thing. So let us know if you like this episode. As usual, please give us a review, share with others you like. Otherwise, enjoy the episode because it is a wicked one. We had an awesome time recording this one. Yeah, so let's let's get into that lab work then, first and foremost, I guess. So uh, we got Dion here. Um, so Dion just had some lab work done with his naturopath, um, looked at some markers, of like inflammation, liver health, kidney function, the whole shebang. And we thought this would be a good kind of leeway because, uh, we were talking a little bit about kind of that, the vegan movie. Um, I forgot the name, the Game Changers (laughs) movie last week about, they talk a lot about like eating too much meat affects your inflammation. It raises inflammation, bad for your kidneys, liver, and so on and so forth. And so that's an interesting place to start because Dion, you obviously, you eat a lot of meat, a lot of red meat. Yeah. And your markers do not support the conclusion of that movie. Right. Yeah. So um, I've, I've played around with eating more and less meat and just, it's always been when I eat more meat, I feel better. So it's, you know, maybe it doesn't work for other people, yeah. Um, but I think a lot of people, myself included, feel better when eating meat. So yeah. we're all a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And big thing with me is I don't want to plan meals out. I just want to eat what I enjoy. And if it's working for me, then why complicate things? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm 36 now. And I was at a course about four months ago where they said you should get your baseline testosterone levels tested. So as you get older, um, you have a baseline to go off of if you ever think about doing testosterone replacement in the future. So it's good to have a baseline on individual baseline versus basing it off 
just an average based on the population. I should I should tell the listeners before we get into this that Dion's body fat percentage is usually it's usually his age, but with like one decimal place in between the numbers. <laughs> so like yeah. about three point six right now, <laughs> age thirty six. I'll yeah. take that. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was it was pretty pretty cool uh, to get all the blood work done. I went to a naturopath, Glenn Bell, and um, he explained a lot of the tests to me and put me through all the tests that he thought would be good markers for overall health. Um, so it was really good to see that the markers backed up the way I was feeling. So one of the things that I was really happy about uh, was the testosterone levels actually were high. So the reference range was 8.4 to 28.8 uh, nanomoles per liter. And I was sitting at 30.8, which was above the reference range. Um, usually, a lot of people say declining testosterone after 30 years of age. So uh, to have mine high, I was I was fist pumping, and <laughs> my, my wife's a little embarrassed. Uh, Dr. Bell said I should get a shirt that says I have high testosterone. I said that's a great idea. <laughs> um, so that was cool to see. Is that the first time you've got it measured? Yeah, first time ever. Yeah, so it was interesting, but it was yeah, like it's. I, I'm always blown away that that's not like a almost like standard of care. Like measure this, say like once you hit the age of thirty or even younger, and then just monitor it over time because we know how important that is for particularly men's health, especially brain health later on in life. And like you said at the start, like if you can have a marker right now maybe you don't feel very good, whether that be cognitively or something else, like 15, 20 years down the road, you get another test and everything else looks okay, but your test is down and say, oh, okay, well, something's changed there. And then now I know what to actually look into. Yeah, like, It just yeah. seems so kind of common sensual, but we don't do it. Yeah. yeah. How difficult was it for you to get this testing done? I've, I've asked, the reason why I'm asking, I've asked a few clients if they could go and get these tests done for themselves. And they've come back with various obstacles that they've run into. Um, so what steps did you take to actually get this done? I know you went to the natural path, but did you go to like your family doctor first, if you have one or what was the situation? Yeah. So it's something, uh, again, at a nutrition course, oh, it'll be about 10 years ago. They said, um, if you want to be proactive with your health, get your red blood cell magnesium. Uh, checked erythrocyte magnesium levels, red blood cell zinc, and your vitamin D levels. So those are three things that you can get checked. That if they're low, that's something that you can you can take priority, like take be accountable for, and, and try to get them up. Mm. So um, I've been eating gluten free for about oh be about ten years, um, and I had a lot of digestive issues before that. So um, when I went to this course. They said, if you have digestive issues, you know, cut out gluten and see how you feel. So that was really cool. Uh, I went to this course, didn't really know much about it, and then cut out gluten for six uh, six weeks, and then, like, night and day different. Like, I had more energy, slept better, uh, better mental clarity. So then I followed, uh, the guy's name was Charles Pollock when the course I went to. So after I, that kind of was a game changer for me, I followed up a lot of the other stuff he was saying. So with that, uh, I got my magnesium levels checked and they were below low in the reference range. So um, I always had a hard time sleeping, cutting out gluten helped a lot. But then when I started 
taking magnesium, um, my action, my sleep actually got worse to begin with, mm-hmm. which I was like, what the heck? Yeah, so I looked at my notes and I guess magnesium is needed uh, to actually make ATP. So if your magnesium levels are so depleted that when you take it, it actually helps your body make ATP if it's extremely depleted. Uh, so I took it a bunch. Like I took, um, oh, maybe four or five capsules. What would that be? Maybe. Was that like a center mag? Yeah. At that time it was through his supplement line. It was, oh, right. what was it called? Like the Poliquin group stuff. Yeah. The Poliquin yeah. group still makes it. So it's a, it's okay. a very good magnesium, four different chelates. So it'd be like 80 milligrams elemental per cap, say? Yeah. Something like that. And so, then, and yeah. absorbable forms. So I took about 320, I guess. So maybe like, yeah. And then uh, took another three or four before bed. And then all of a sudden, I, like I had all this energy. And I remember being up all night, like like writing stuff down and feeling <laughs> really good. And like this magnesium, it's not it's not making me sleep. It's giving me energy. And then when I checked my notes, um, it said like if you're extremely deficient, mm. then, yeah, then you'll actually get more energy. So then I can't remember what I did first now, like if I took the magnesium and then did the blood work or vice versa. But then when I did get my blood work done, it was it was below low in the reference range. And he always wants you to be at the high end of the reference range. So it's something that it's always been low magnesium, but I have by supplementing, I've gotten it into the at least the reference range. And I think part of it was just uh, digestive issues. Yeah. So if you're if you're not able to digest your food, you're not getting magnesium out of it. And then um, yeah, just between not digesting and not supplementing with it, it was really low and then playing sports and teaching's pretty stressful. Yeah. That's, um, working yeah. out stressful, just burning through the magnesium. So yeah, that's interesting because <clears throat> it makes you wonder how many people out there are low in magnesium, like how much better people could feel and recover and sleep if you just bump that up. And with something that easy, right? I know. Like, and it's a lot of clients that come in and train. Um, you, you just, have them supplement with magnesium and then wow like my i feel like i'm less anxious at night yeah. i sleep better and it's it's just such a simple simple change <clears throat> so it's yeah so that was a, a big change i can't remember where we were going with that um that started on the test but. yeah that was kind of like the first test that you had done. right so yeah. you're I was saying trying to find your get... post like there was i was looking at your post and you were t- you're doing a topical yeah magnesium as well yes yeah, so the topical magnesium, uh, the idea is it goes right in your bloodstream and, and yeah. you don't have to worry about digestion. So uh, when I'm feeling like, when I remember and take it all and feeling really good, usually I'll take about four capsules of center mag. So that would be 320 milligrams. Yeah. And then another four before bed would be another 320 milligrams and about four squirts of topical mag. See, that's a lot. Like, I always, people yeah. kind of. Not to mention they're buying the cheap supplements, but even yeah. if they're they're buying the cheap supplements and then they're taking like the recommended dose that those supplements say, which is compared to what you're talking about, it's probably like not even one tenth. And then they wonder or say like, hey, like supplements matter. don't do anything. These aren't doing it. Well, no kidding. Like you got to. And I know that it's not necessarily the average Joe is going to be aware of that, but just to kind of try and get that out to as many people as possible, like. Those, yeah. those recommended doses are usually not accurate. Yeah. Right. But they're below that effective dose still. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're an athlete, live a stressful life, um, your magnesium levels are going to go through the, yeah. the roof, the like requirements, right? Right. 
So that one here, I actually got my magnesium level tested and I've been taking a boatload and I'm still um, just above the bottom of the reference range. So I'm at uh, 1.8 nanomoles per liter and the reference range is 1.65 to 2.52. And that's taking and that's the erythrocyte magnesium, right? Yes. So yeah, it's, it's so supposedly like a, it's not perfect, but it's one of the best indicators. Better than the other, yeah. yeah. So if anyone's listening has had their magnesium tested, more than likely it was not red blood cell magnesium. So I'd look into that one, I would yes. suggest. So back to Jesse's original question, was it hard to get the blood work? Um, there was a doctor in Lucan uh, who was very open-minded and anything I wanted, he'd go, yeah, yeah, we can check that off. So why, why do you want to do that? Well, I was at a nutrition course and he's like, okay, well, I'm not sure um, about it if, if that's, but if you know, if you want to pay for it, by all means, we'll, we'll give it a go. So that was really nice. So he would fill out the form and then you'd, you'd pay for it because it wasn't covered over under OHIP. So my wife and I have been doing vitamin D, magnesium, and zinc probably at least once a year for the last five years. And um, yeah, again, like it's slowly, the magnesium slowly creeping up, but you'd think it would go up a lot quicker with, with yeah. that, that much of a dose. Right, yeah. So um, depending on who you talk to, um, oh, I'm just trying to think. Some people recommend up to, I think it's 10 milligrams per kilogram of body weight. Okay. So yeah, yeah. So for me, I'm say I'm sitting around 85 kilos, so about 850 milligrams of elemental magnesium. Yeah. So and I'm I'd be just I'd be just over that with uh, with topical mag. And if anyone's wondering about the elemental, it's usually if it's usually below the medicinal ingredients. Like if you look at how much magnesium is in usually inside that first box, medicinal ingredients, it'll say maybe it'll say like mag glycinate or citrate or whatever and then it'll say like 200 milligrams or something like that you'd have to normally look in below that box there's usually smaller writing and then it'll say elemental and then it will be a lower number than the number up in that box and that elemental is the key number because that's what you're actually getting from the the supplement yeah just thinking just off the top of my head i think center mag is it 200 milligrams Oh yeah, I can't um, remember. Glycinate. It has it has a mix and so. magnesium malate, which are both absorbable forms. Yeah. So if you take that much of a dose of less absorbable forms, basically you pull more water in your long intestine, and that makes you have to go to the washroom because you're you're not absorbing the magnesium, and because magnesium is going through your digestive tract just through diffusion, pulls more water in, which gives you the poops. Yeah, so. Poor quality magnesium um, is actually used as a what's it called? A laxative. There, laxative. Yeah, so yeah. You gotta get good stuff. Go over the. Uh, we were talking about the the CRP before we started recording. That was a really interesting one. The C-reactive protein, which is because this is a marker essentially of peripheral inflammation. So I don't know if they, when we talked about the game changers, they may have even used CRP as their marker. I believe when they said that meat would increase the inflammation you could look at like the cytokines like in il6 or something like that but i don't or the tnf alpha i don't think they looked at those crp would be the most common one and that's what you have yeah so i know that's one of the things that people talk about with high protein uh, diets is that um 
inflammation increases. So, um, so CRP is a measure of inflammation, right? So if you're more inflamed, then you have higher chances of heart disease, stroke, basically everything, all disease. So based on my blood work, low risk was below 1.0 milligrams per liter. And uh, mine is sitting at 0.27 milligrams per liter. So low risk is below 1.0 and I'm sitting at 0.27. Okay. So for saying increased protein intake, um, leads to inflammation, uh, my inflammation is actually quite low. How often um, do you red meat? Um, any, so I work out in the mornings four times a week. So the other three times a week, I usually have red meat for breakfast. And then usually I'll have, uh, leftovers for lunch. So that could be chicken or could be red meat. And then for supper, sometimes it's seafood, sometimes red meat again. Um, so I'm eating meat three times a day and usually two of those three days would be red meat. So, um, with it, it is, it is good quality meat. So I get bison from a local farm just up the road. Uh, I got to think I remember, Bland Brook Farms and a really nice couple, um, that have been doing it for, Oh, I think since like 87. Um, yeah. So I didn't even realize it was there until not too long ago. And then, uh, another one of my friends out in Embro, uh, Ryan Green, uh, grass fed cows start to finish. So it's $6 a pound, by the way, which is, <clears> which is incredible. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. So what would um, the bison be per pound? You know, I think it's, it was around $8 per pound press, uh, plus processing. Okay. okay but still not bad. Like it's, it's still cheaper than buying meat from the grocery store. Yeah. And then, um, you buy it in bulk and, and basically you're getting the boat as high quality meat as you can. And you're, you're paying less than you are at the store. <laughs> so like that, like Chet was saying that six, six dollars or six fifty or whatever it is a pound. Um, that's ground beef, but it's also your strip loins. Um, it's also your sirloins, um, and everything all, all combined. <clears throat> Same price, just across the board, you yeah. pay yeah. per pound? Yeah, so you get a quarter of the, or a half. We eat a ton of meat, so we get a half for us, but we go through it quite quickly. But yeah, you get everything. So you get all the good cuts, and then um, I'm not a great cook. And uh, so roasts, we don't. We just get all the roast meat turned into ground beef, and then all the good cuts, we, we get turned into steaks. I shouldn't say, there's no bad cuts, but the, the ones that are a little fattier that are, are better for steaks, we make in steaks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, you, you feel good and you feel clear and feel like your health is going well. And then you hear stuff about, you know, eating meat bad, you start maybe second guessing things. So it was really cool to see these, these lab results reinforce my, my beliefs. So growing up on a farm, ate a lot of meat. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was just really cool to see lab values reflect the way I was feeling. Totally. Yeah. So there's another couple tests that they did here. Again, um, Dr. Bell went through these with me and said the importance. So AST was aspartate transaminase. And then I got a hard time with this one. The other one was gamma glutamyl transferase. And they both play a role in liver function. So both of mine uh, on the very low end, which means that liver function is actually quite good. Um, and my liver did get taxed quite a bit 
in university. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to a small town in high school. Up in Mitchell, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, look at you. I was actually really surprised with uh, the liver results. I thought maybe a hor- bit of a hormetic effect kicking in. Maybe that <laughs> yeah. just beat the toughen them up a bit. Don't, yeah, don't be, don't be trying that at home. <laughs> uh, other thing I thought I'd talk about real quick. Um, it was like to have high testosterone at 36. I was really excited about, uh, but at the same time, I've never, never taken anything uh, to boost it. Okay, so um, I think that's, you know, if you're a bodybuilder or whatever, and that's your thing, then you know, I'm never, never gonna. If that's making you happy and you're good with that decision, then. I won't go down that path, but for me, that's something that I, at this time I would I would never consider doing. Um, and then the cool thing is, maybe down the road, you know, hopefully naturally you can keep it as high as possible and, and feel good as you can. But who knows, sixty, seventy, if you can have a better um, way of life at that time, yeah. Then you know, it's it's not like you're cheating things; it's you're you're coming back to your your own genetic levels. Right. Yeah. So if that, you know, if that maximizes the quality of your life later on in life, then, you know, why, why not? Right. Right. So hopefully do it naturally, but I can't, don't know what things will be like in uh, 30 or 40 years. Right. That's right. right. Hopefully still around. Yeah. <laughs> it's good you're starting above the curve here. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So I'm just thinking, that I don't think there's anything else really on there. Um, but all my other blood work, um, basically was bang on. Right. Yeah. And I, I do eat probably more meat than most people. Um, and I, I have my kids eating as much meat as they can get down just because I think it's, it's very important for development. And if I think about, you know, evolution of, uh, of human beings, there, I, I just can't get past that meat didn't play a big role in that. Mm-hmm. And there's no way that things can change that quickly where we've evolved to not eat meat in you know in, in less than a generation so like my background is well, i'm a bit of a mutt a bit of everything so like norwegian swiss irish basically a mix of everything but a lot of the background was meat was a you know was a staple in a lot of the dishes so in my to keep it simple it makes sense that if my ancestors were eating meat that i've my genes say i should be eating meat yeah right yeah I think we got we got into that a wee bit maybe a couple episodes ago. Yeah, I think. It, yeah, in, in this la- the last one we released, because they reference uh, gladiators in that documentary, saying that they're mostly uh, plant based. Um, but I mean, the documentary the whole time they're saying mostly plant based, and like they're never actually explaining what plant based was. So I'm kind of like yeah. omitting the whole idea. Um, yeah, but yeah, 100 percent on on board with that like yeah. it, it only makes sense right it's yeah. not i'm sure the gladiators they weren't trying to spend a lot of money on their food and that's no, what i slaves. said yeah, yeah it's yeah, like unfortunately yeah yeah you're probably well you can't go back there but fighting for your life too right yeah, yeah. and a little different i can't see the whole all the gladiators sitting down and having uh filet mignon together right <laughs> yeah and that's pretty well what we said yeah, yeah. yeah but i think the other the other good lesson there for everyone listening is you you had a very very good point at one point there you said that it was good to kind of get like this reassurance or this confidence that you know the hard work and the healthy lifestyle is actually reflecting in the results so i think like if anyone out there 
which is a lot of people. It is, it's bloody, it can be bloody confusing these days, especially when a documentary like this comes out and, you know, sends this message or that message. And it could be, it doesn't even just have to be plant-based. It could be the other way around. Like maybe, cause maybe another one's going to come out in like a month or so that says, you know, just eat meat and don't eat any vegetables. Well, then people are going to be even more confused. Exactly. So my point being is, like try and get some baseline work like this so that you, you know, like you don't have to stress about, you know, am I doing the right thing? Do I need to do a versus B or whatever? Like just, even if it's a bit of extra work and hassle to get it done, I think it's, it's worth it. And yeah, just try and get it. Yeah. Uh, with your meals, like how do you match up the meat? Like, is it a meat only meal? Or are you matching it up with other things or yeah, so, so cause I, I eat gluten-free like hundred percent for like the last 10 years. And, um, you know, a lot of people think, well, that must be hard, but like once you get the hang of it, it's, it's not, not that hard at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of new products and stuff out now, like even 10 years ago, um, getting like a processed gluten-free product was, was tough. Um, but now, you know, you can get bread anywhere. You can get, uh, you know, <laughs> gluten-free cookies, you can get whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, so, where was I going with that? Um, Troy, can go back to the question just again. Like, just how do you how would you structure like a normal oh, meal? Okay. Is it all meat, or are you mixing in vegetables and other things? What's what's the plate look like? I guess. Perfect. Yeah. So sorry about that. Um, I, I again, I like to keep things simple. Um, I have a, I think just genetically, I have a mind that's always going 100 miles an hour, and if I can make some things simple and and enjoy the food and 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 feel good about it then i want to keep it as simple as possible so um i know a thing that works for a lot of people is trying to minimize blood sugar raises at breakfast Mm -hmm. so having some meat and some nuts and then you're you're out in the road um meat keeps you full nuts keep you full fat gives you some energy and it keeps your blood sugar normalized so that you're not hungry, nothing but food until lunchtime, which I think works for a lot of people. Uh, for me, it, it didn't work too too well. I, I tolerate carbs really well. So what would happen with me is I actually got my blood work done and, and had um, my blood sugar levels taste, uh, tested after meals. And actually, I actually have low blood sugar. So my meals in the morning, if I'm not working out, is just basically I'll, I'll make a steak up and I'll have a of 10 of blueberries and, and cool. that's my, my breakfast. And I, I love steak and I love blueberries. So just, or raspberries <laughs> or whatever, strawberries, <clears throat> ideally local. Um, they taste better. They're more nutritious, but mm-hmm. doesn't ever, doesn't always work out that way. So I just keep it simple. Um, and like it's a lot of people think, Oh man, that's crazy to, to make a steak in the morning, but a cast iron frying pan. Um, I use ghee. So ghee, I think you pronounce it that way. The proteins have been taken out of the butter. So you have butter, there's some protein in it. You heat it up, remove the protein, and then the ghee's left over. It's just the fat from the butter. And you can you can heat that really high without it denaturing because the protein's not there anymore. So the ghee, you put it on a cast iron frying pan, you heat it up. Um, I usually just go like halfway on my dial. Pan gets nice and hot. The ghee doesn't uh, evaporate. Um, it's got a high... Point, high point. Smoke point, yeah, yeah. Smoke point, and it's really high, like 400 degrees Fahrenheit oh, wow. or something. Um, so heat up the ghee, throw the steak on. You just watch the side of it, 
once it gets, uh, you see the brown, like the cooking up the outside, halfway up, you flip it. And then once it cooks up the other half, you take it off the grill, you put a lid on it, and you let it sit for five minutes. And then basically you have a medium rare steak that's delicious and, yeah. and really easy to prepare. Yeah. So I don't have steak every breakfast, like burger patties. I just get some um, like patties that ideally be grass fed, but this have no fillers. Same thing, thaw them up the night before. You don't even have to think about it. Throw them on the, on the cast iron pan, go get changed or go up a shower, come back, throw some pickles, sauerkraut on them, grab a handful of blueberries or a ton of blueberries, eat them down. And uh, what I really noticed is like energy levels, clarity, everything's really good and not think about food until, until lunchtime. And then basically like I, some people like counting calories, like counting their macros. Basically, if I want to gain weight, I, I eat more carbs. And if I want to lose weight, I eat more fat and I keep my protein high. And it's, it's a simple, yeah. simple, simple, yeah. um, way to look at it. And it, it just takes all the complexity out of it. Yeah. it's awesome. So simple. And, yeah. and the, I think the cool part was that like you, you've created this for yourself by trial and error. And then not only reinforcing with how you feel, but you're going through like the due diligence of actually like, how's this affecting my body yeah. and you're seeing positive trends. So why would you change it? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's so simple. Like it's easy for you to do. It's part of your routine. Yeah. And I mean, you're crushing it with the numbers, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> yeah, you, right. you can't argue with that stuff. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. That's I, awesome. I love that breakdown you just gave though, because kind of the number one complaint when you tell people to eat even like similar to what you just explained or like eat meat at breakfast or eat more whole foods or whatever it may be. I think their number one excuse is, well, I don't have time to make something like that. Right. Like I only have time to pour a bowl of cereal, but you just highlighted it. Like you're a school teacher, you're getting ready for work in the morning and cooking up a steak is as easy as anything. So I think that's, yeah, I don't think that's a good excuse in my opinion. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's just trial and error. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and just, I think a big thing that happened with me is I found someone that was more knowledgeable than me that I trusted and I just followed what they did <clears throat> and, and then tweak things to fit my personal genetics or personal environment or whatever yeah. you want to call it that to suit me. So was that Poliquin for you? Yeah. 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 Like just uh, like the nutrition made sense. Um, and, and if you look at a lot of his posts, he, that's basically what he says. Mm-hmm. If you want to, you know, if you want to control your blood sugar levels, you want to lose some weight, increase protein and fat. And if you, um, you know, you're pretty lean and you want to put on some muscle, then cut the fat down, keep the protein high and eat more carbs. And it's just such a, you know, and, and I think what happens is it gets so complex that people don't enjoy eating anymore. Um, so the new Canadian food guy we talk about at school, there's, there's a lot of things I, I don't agree with it. But one of the things it does touch on is that meals should be enjoyable and it should be a social setting. So you should be with family and friends. You should be enjoying the food and, you know, you, you can eat healthy, have a nice little sit down with friends and still, and, and not have to put a lot of time into it, I guess is the big thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. And I think when you start, you start getting too crazy with trying to control everything with eating, then it just takes uh, it takes the enjoyment out of eating and and that's not a good thing, right? Right. Because then you're going to go to the convenience stuff because you're like, 
Ah, fuck it. Yeah. I'm just going to grab something. Exactly. Wherever. Yeah. So you might nail it for a couple days. And then that day, you know, like I, I nailed my macros perfectly. I set everything up perfectly. And then what happens? A lot of people, they mess up one meal. And then it's like you're saying, like just stressed out and then just fall off. And then it, it go back on and then falls off, go back. On. And yeah. and for some people, like I'm, I'm not that person where everything has to be really structured. I like keeping things loose. All right. So yeah, just people just bounce back and forth, right? It's like one bad meal completely derails the entire day. Right. And then the week and then the month. And then all of a sudden it's been 10 years. Yeah. And it's like, I don't even know what to do anymore. Yeah. So you go to Netflix or YouTube or whatever to try to find some sort of information as to, or a podcast or some sort of information as to like, how do I navigate this now? Because it's 10 years later. So clearly the recommendations have become more advanced probably. Yeah. And more complex. uh, More complex and potentially more confusing. Right. um, Depending on how confusing you're making it. The more information more misinformation you take in the more confusing things get the better information like if you go take courses and stuff it yeah. gets really simple really fast right it's always no matter what course you take it it pretty much comes down to the same fundamental principles yeah. they just have their own tweaks yeah but you've taken that and you've kind of created your own thing that works for you based on all the knowledge that you've built up right so then it's not stressful yeah, because you you gain confidence with that, right? You're like, I know what I need. I know what makes me feel good. Yeah. And with your blood work, you're getting the confidence and um, you know the uh, reassurance, yeah. yeah, that you're making the right choices for your body, right? Which may be completely different than somebody else's, but yeah. that's where the exploration comes in, and that's fun. I don't know. I find yeah. it fun. Yeah, I find it fun to play yeah, with that stuff for sure. Yeah, and I'm sure you didn't get a perfect right away well you said yourself like you kind of well yeah like i was eating i was eating gluten uh for oh like 20 years Mm -hmm. and always off like always like really hard time putting on weight low energy levels hard time sleeping and just kind of battle through things and it was just like it was just yeah again i went to one nutrition course by poliquin and the first thing that they said like cut out gluten see how you feel yeah. If you feel better, great. Cut gluten out. So and if you don't, it. then don't cut it out. Try something else. Cool. And it's just like that real simple trial and error. Yeah. yeah do it. Don't yeah. overcomplicate it. That's that's the key right there is yeah. just, just do bloody it. do it. Yeah. yeah. People, yeah, it's <clears throat> this. People want, how's that saying go? You want your cake and eat it too or, yeah. or something like that. It's like, we'll kind of have a little bit. Like, <laughs> I can still have some, can I? Like, can I still get benefits if I just kind of cut like half of it out? It's like, it's not going to kill you, right? Like, it's it's not hard. Just cut it out. See you feel yeah. if you feel better. It's yeah. just so simple, in my opinion. I don't know. You yeah. said something quickly in there. Being like, uh, I think we have like similar builds. Like, you know, harder to put on weight than to lose weight. Oh, yeah, you right. guys, that, yeah. 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 So you mentioned there, like, you had a hard time gaining weight yeah. while you're on a more gluten-based diet? Yes. And that changed once you went gluten-free? Yeah, it did. Not not right away, but there's just so many factors. Mm-hmm. Like my energy levels got way better. Um, I was waking up, like I have more energy now than I was a teenager. So I know some teenagers, like, yeah, teenage years maybe don't have a lot of energy in the mornings, mm-hmm. but like when you get going, you yeah. should have a lot of energy, right? Yeah. Um, so it's just, 
you know, you wish you could go back and, and do it earlier, mm-hmm. but it's just that like, it was just, no one talked about it. Right. And there's so many theories on why more people are having issues with gluten. Like, I'm sure they all play a little bit of a role. Um, but like, I know one of the things it was actually a gluten free for dummies book. I, I read after going to one of these courses and they talked about um, if you have a hard time digesting lactose, so the sugar and milk. Um, and again, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing the book a little bit, but the microvilli in your small intestine that actually release, there's, there's a, a duck there or whatever on the microvilli that release lactase. And what they were saying was one of the theories is when you're eating gluten, and you shouldn't be, there's an autoimmune response if you're celiac, and it actually blunts the microvilli. So you think of microvilli as fingers increasing the absorption capabilities of your small intestine. When they get blunted, it's like they get chopped off. And what it said in the book is a lot of the enzymes are produced in those microvilli. So when they're blunted, your body can't make as much. So when I was younger, like I was very lactose intolerant. If I had some milk, it would go right through me. And it's pretty cool. Like as I'm getting older, I can actually tolerate more dairy now. So like if I had like a spoonful of ice cream, it would be right through me. But now like if I get like higher fat ice cream, there's still going to be some lactose in it. I can actually have a bowl of ice cream and not have to run to the washroom right away. So it's cool how um, some of the stuff that's maybe a little bit theoretical has played into um, if I could go in i guess i'd get a colonoscopy but i don't want to yeah. do that I, don't to, I have white coat syndrome i don't want to go to go to the hospital and get that if i don't if i don't need to but based on that the you would think in your head that my microvilli are now in a better shape than they were when i was a teenager right because yeah. they're able to produce lactase again mm-hmm. which is really cool and um you talk about chronological aging but you can also talk about biological aging yeah. So if your gut's actually healthier now, you should be absorbing more nutrients and you're actually, so like my energy levels are pretty darn good right now. Um, better than they probably have ever been, which is cool that I'm in, you know, I'm 35, 36 mm-hmm. getting up there Very and, cool. and, and feeling better. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. <clears throat> I find inflammation really, really, really hard to summarize to people and explain. Like yeah. I think, so you just basically said how improving inflammation can benefit 10 different mechanisms all at once. Right. So I think kind of when a lot of people hear the term inflammation, they think of it as like a kind of like this, this unitary thing, like the singular thing where it's like, you're only improving your inflammation and they don't realize that. Well, actually, if, if you can address inflammation, you're probably also going to be improving everything like liver function, kidney function, gut health, brain health, like everything is affected by your levels of inflammation. So I, I just wanted to point that out. Cause I, I do find that that's, that's one of the things that's kind of difficult to get across to people is to explain the complexity of inflammation and how it has such a, a wide effect on literally your entire body. Like inflammation's everything. Mm-hmm. So. And it's really, a big factor in your like global inflammation is coming from the gut mm-hmm. and yeah connection yeah. between your gut and your brain and how Absolutely, that affects yeah. everything that you do how you feel yeah yeah um yeah emotion's a big thing too like a lot of people are just grumpy 
Yeah, and, and it could be has to do with just or not. Yeah, yeah. Your body that well. You, you see different numbers, but they say like some people say it's like up to eighty percent of serotonin is made in your gut. So if your if your gut's not functioning well, yeah, then you can't feel happy. You don't have that neurotransmitter that yeah. makes you feel happy and relaxed. And then mm. I think serotonin. They talk about GABA being produced yeah. there. It is. It is different. Like it's not always going. Those those neurotransmitters there aren't always going right to the gut, but it is very good point like the complexity of the gut and how it's so important and how it does have such a massive effect on the brain is massive and at the same time we don't even really fully understand it all yeah it's crazy so that's have you guys heard of the braverman assessment yep yeah so it's i again i just i read the book i was read the what's it called edge effect and i i thought it was really interesting and there's like a little questionnaire in there so we actually do it with the students in class and just tell them like, Hey, I'm not a psychologist. This is just for fun. Um, but it's really cool seeing how going through this questionnaire, like how we all have different personality types and that can come down to neurotransmitters. Yeah. I'm sure it doesn't play. It's all, it's, it's all encompassing. Like this is your neurotransmitter profile. So this is the way you are, but it's cool how you see, um, you know, someone that doing the test, it says they're hiring GABA. And they, they like being organized. They have nice lists yeah, and they enjoy. And then someone like me, like my set of choline's off the charts, but my GABA's, it comes in low. How my brain's all over the place. Yeah. I, I don't like having everything organized. And, and it's just, it's just really cool. But then you think about, you know, if some of these neurotransmitters, you're not like they're influenced by inflammation and by gut health. Yeah. Then there's like, there's, you can almost, like, I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to say it's exact, but you could start thinking, you know, if, if I'm inflamed and my gut's off, then Mm -hmm. that's going to change the way I think, which is really, really a crazy topic. Well, and even just the, I think ADHD is the perfect example just because it's so quote unquote common these days. Is it really common? But anyways, I just bring that up because it's like, something like that people think it's just automatic and you kind of just have to deal with it so for instance like i just suck at concentration like i have bad concentration well no like your diet also has an immediate effect on that your lifestyle has an immediate effect on that if you can't concentrate it just means that more than likely your dopamine is low and you can easily bump that up with exercise will increase that certain amino acids will provide the required building block to bump that up um it's and the, i think you could go down the list there's like a thousand different examples that you could touch on like that like if you're feeling more anxious than you'd like to if you're feeling more stressed than you'd like to like all of those have different kind of quote-unquote causes from varying levels of neurotransmitters and you can affect that with your diet with your lifestyle mm-hmm. and i think that's another thing maybe folks don't appreciate is that you do have an influence on that. Everything you do has an influence on that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes you responsible for it though. That's a big, yeah. that's, that's a, a, yeah, that's, that's a big responsibility, problem. right? Yeah. So that, that's difficult is yeah. to have somebody um, who isn't ready to be a hundred percent accountable and responsible for how they feel and just don't quite understand it the way that, you do obviously you do i do to a certain extent it's like everything that you do from 
A to B, like all day long, how you sleep and everything has an effect on how you feel. But those changes can be difficult for some people to recognize first. It's easier just to, um, I'm not feeling very good today, so I'm just going to sit on the couch because I need to rest. Yeah. Which is a pretty common thing. Um, I get that from my athletes sometimes too, especially in like the early stages where they're like, oh, I need a rest day today because I'm just feeling off. But they're failing to recognize this, like to backtrack and realize when that kind of started. So um, inadequate fueling for workouts, you know, inadequate sleep. They missed supplements. They went out drinking. Had a big weekend. Had a big weekend, something like that. And it's like, oh, well. I'm just, I'm just going to take a rest instead yeah. instead of using it as like an education opportunity for themselves. Um, but I mean, I guess that's what we're here for yeah. is to help people with that. But, yeah. So you had some questions about uh, like gym class too, right? Oh, I'm so, <laughs> I'm so curious about this. Yeah, we got to sneak that in definitely. Yeah. But before I just want to say the one thing that you said, like, you're saying that you enjoy experimenting, right? With your health and yeah, and yeah not everyone and, does. And I do. And that's, yeah. that's something that's, that some people don't. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where, like, if you want to minimize the amount of work, again, you find someone that has done the work that you can trust, which is really hard to do yeah. because there's so many people that are just smoking mirrors. They, they want to make a quick buck off whatever, and then move on. Right. But find someone that has been around for a while, read up a little bit. And yeah. then at least if you can find someone you trust, then listen to them. Because if not, you could be going pulled four different ways, like you're saying, YouTube videos, Netflix videos. So find someone that, you know, you can trust and then follow what they're doing. And then then tweak it for your, what you need to be doing individually. So like not everyone wants to be under 10% body fat, right? Right. But they just want to feel good, maybe playing with their grandkids or be able to go out to Sunday morning hockey and and play the whole time and and be able to go to work on Monday. So it's just kind of figuring out individually what you want and then finding someone that's gonna that's put the work in for you so like guys like you that that have have went through the experiences have done the research have done the learning because you love it and that's that's you find that person you trust and then that makes things a lot easier right but as you guys know like in health and fitness there a lot of people don't like that right they they don't like learning they don't they don't like experiencing things they just want to you know take the easy route and and give a generic workout printed off a website and go on their phones when they're when their clients are training and like and and really don't care Mm -hmm. and unfortunately like you see that in a lot of gyms like what do you like maybe 20 30 percent of the trainers actually care and they're the ones that want to they like learning they like they like doing all that stuff for their clients Mm -hmm. Where other people, they just want to go and show up and then leave, right? Right, yeah. yeah. And, you know, smoke and mirror sales and then take off. Yeah. Which is, it's really crazy, right? It is. Yeah. And the unfortunate part is, like, they're in a position where they're probably the person that you're talking about. Like, they're trainers and then this person purchases from them, thinking that this person's going to be the one that's, is gonna they're going to trust. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, they don't yeah. live up to that, yeah. which sucks. Yeah. And there's nothing that we can really do about that other than try to get better information out but yeah um, I, I think we talk about this a lot too is like if you're looking for a new health professional to follow around interview them yeah and make sure that they're a good fit for you don't uh fall for the smoke and mirror stuff like dig it dig in a little bit more yeah and get a second third 
forth opinions on on stuff. Yeah, why? Why is your greatest tool? I think just ask why. Yeah. <clears throat> to everything, if they post yeah. something, well, yeah. why? Can you explain that? Give me the rationale, please. Yeah. If not, if they don't want to or they don't know how to, right. I think that's or they're not willing to. That's a pretty yeah, not giveaway. To I think. One, yeah. 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 Yeah, and just like the old. <clears throat> Oh, this one always used to eat me up. Like, go warm up on the elliptical. So you have your hour session, go warm up for 15 minutes, and then we'll go through your workout program and then cool down for 15 minutes on the elliptical. <laughs> so you're left with a half an hour training session out of an hour. Yeah. And you're like that's, the hour. and then unfortunately the clients don't know any different, right? They just yeah. think that's the norm, which is just, yeah. you know, you're paying $80 a training session for an hour. Mm-hmm. And you're getting half an hour of it. Mm-hmm. And that half an hour is maybe a generic workout and time right. on the phone and then half an hour on elliptical. Which is yeah. like, oh my goodness. I saw that a lot. And then the trainer standing up on the elliptical beside you watching the TV <laughs> for 15 minutes, <laughs> watching highlights. At least they were out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've seen it. Going hide for 15. Yeah. Yeah. 15 minutes is up. Yeah. And then rock through the fit fix or whatever it's called. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. This, this is kind of go back to like sitting on the couch. Um, this is one of my favorite quotes. So the first principle is that you yeah. must not fool yourself and you are the easiest person to fool. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. that's great. And I always mess up his last name, but Richard Feynman, um, smart guy, physics, just like incredible person, really. Um, yeah, great. It's, and some people like you, it's hard to reflect on yourself and think about that. And it takes an honest person like to, to go, Hey, you know, I'm making excuses for myself. And like, one of my things is I, I just call it the overthinking crutch where, you know, get up for a workout. And then, you know, I, I get up real early. I get up at like 4:20, So that's my kind of play on 420. <laughs> get up at 420, And then a lot of times I'll get up and I'll have my workout set up, but then oh, all of a sudden the coffee's tasting good. I'm like, better tweak this. And then another thing it's like, it's 5.30 now. I'll get tweaked a little bit. And then I get out there. I'm like, Rick, I spent the whole time tweaking my workout. Yeah. And it's it's like this, I know that yeah. in my head. Like, I know that now. I have to catch myself. Right. I'm going to start, you know, this coffee's tasting good. I'm, I have some alone time. My boys aren't up. Mm-hmm. And I'm. it's almost like I'm using this crutch of overthinking to delay my workout. Right. And I know that I do that. Yeah. And then it's, it's kind of like scaling things back and going, hey, you got to catch yourself. Mm-hmm. But you still do that? You still find yourself doing that? Oh, yeah, that? for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah I love I think that's important for people to yeah. hear. I yeah. love coffee, mm-hmm. and I love having me time. Yeah. So next thing, I'm reading a book, and I'm drinking coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, great. man, yeah. what are you doing? So it's uh, that, that's just a great quote. And then it, it does take a little bit of confidence to actually reflect on yourself and figure out, you know, hey, I really could be doing a little bit better than this. Mm-hmm. But then again, if you're – if you're feeling down the dumps, you're feeling depressed. It's even it's even that much harder to take that first step, right? Right. So, yeah, I like that. Cool. School stuff. Oh yeah, I'm so curious. <laughs> so I just I think back to high school for your high high school phys ed, right? Yeah. So I think back to high school phys ed for me, and I can remember what the topics were. So um, there was definitely a sports component where you learn different sports and like. Uh, the rules of the sports and how to play sportsmanship, all that stuff. Yeah. We had a small weight training. Um, what would you call it? A term Yeah, on weightlifting in the gym. And then we would always have the classic, like 
anti-bullying, don't smoke, yeah. sex ed, yeah, health class, I guess. But it, for us, it was kind of set up in three different terms. So one would be sports, one would be in the weight training, one would be in the health class, health class, and we weren't actually doing anything active at all. Right. Um, and I'm just curious what it looks like now and what your what the curriculum is and how you teach. And then also like for you being so passionate about health and fitness, if you can really jive with the current curriculum or if you tweak it a little bit or like how you approach something that's, um, I'm assuming it's fairly templated and how you fit in the stuff like that fun little test that you did with your students um, about their neurotransmitters and stuff. Yeah. So the way it works is that we have our, our curriculum documents and they say like, this is what you should focus on. Okay. And, but there's still like, depending on what department in, you're in, there's a lot of freedom. As long as you're hitting these off, you can express that the curriculum in the way that you want, which is really cool. That's cool. Um, so like, I just, we just had a meeting with a bunch of teachers and everyone's a little bit different. And it was really cool. Like we had a bunch of teachers sitting around and we we're talking about assessment and I like numbers. I'm a numbers guy. So I said, if I was in, you know, if I was in grade 12 biology, I would love to have everyone's numbers posted. You know, you know, Chet's got a 99, Jesse's got a 98 and Dion's got a 75. Mm-hmm. So I would like to see that and go, okay, I gotta get better. I like black and white numbers. I like that for, um, for, for knowing what I'm not doing as well as it could be for me. That's really simple. And like feedback that's not black and white, I really struggle with. I want it to be, this is where I am and this is where I'm going. But it's really interesting sitting in this meeting, some of the other teachers are like, well, no, I, I don't want black and white numbers. I like getting feedback so that they can help me with where I need to be with feedback directly where I'm struggling from. So it was really cool. Like even, even though I've been teaching for a while, like just sitting down with different teachers and you forget that. We, we start thinking about things from our perspective mm-hmm. and that there's so much, even something like the way you give feedback is so, is so different. Yeah. So um, like I, I do enjoy reading a lot. I've read a lot about like most of the gym classes I teach are, are male gym class, um, open gym class. So basically I, I, I've, I've really enjoyed doing reading and, and what teenagers need. And I think back to myself in university or in high school, and what I needed, but I always have to think about like, hey, it's not every high school student's you. So we think about growing up Mitchell. Um, we had a lot of fun. Like it was like basically get through the week and then we'll time bomb on a weekend and we'll try to regroup on Monday. And that was basically the template for most most of me and my friends. Right. And we, we you know, we like we, we made it through and we and it, threw things together and made it, but it wasn't optimal. Right. Like, so thinking about high school and teaching health, I really want to think about like real everyday lessons. So there's a lot of really good books um, that I read and then I try to put them into the lessons. So again, just like us in high school, usually like they, they've, they've changed it a bit. So we'll go back to the units. Yeah. So in grade nine, you have three, the way we set up at our school, you have three eight-day health units and the rest you're in the gym or the weight room. So probably less time in health, but talking about more stuff well in the weight room or the gym, which is good because a lot of people that, well, grade nine is mandatory, but a lot of boys and girls that want to take phys ed, they want to be moving. They don't get a chance to be moving other classes. 
So it's like trying to implement the health into the movement as well as in the classroom. So with that, uh, nine and 10, there's more health. And then grade 11 and 12, there's only two units. That's what we set up at our school. And then from there, one of the cool things that has happened in phys ed is they've been able to start specializing classes. So PPL, that's like your, your healthy active living. That's your normal gym class that we usually think of when we're back in high school. So you have a, every once in a while I go to the weight room, playing lots of sports um, and health class. So that's your, your basic template. But now they actually have fitness classes. So this semester I have a fitness class where we're in the weight room Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We're in the classroom Tuesday. And then Thursday we either do yoga, uh, stretching, kind of like a recovery day, or we are in the gym playing a sport. So that's cool. it's really awesome. Yeah, cool. I don't want to get political, but what's happening is that if lines get cut back, those specialized courses get cut first. So your core courses, you know, your, your phys ed grade nine, uh, math, English, biology, chemistry, um, what I'm missing, history, geography, like those, those main subjects, what's happening is they're, they're going to get bigger in number. There's going to be more kids in them because class sizes are, are going to be going up if there isn't a change. But what happens is those other courses, those cool specialized courses that have been developed will be the ones get cut. So that's like for me, like it's exactly what you're saying. When you were in high school, you're probably creating a fitness class. Oh, yeah. I yeah. you know love the games, you know, health, probably weren't keen on health, but you did it or whatever, yeah. but would love to be in the weight room more. So now yeah. I, I have that uh, the ability to teach that specialized course for the kids that just want to be in the weight room. Yeah. And then there's another course that's our traditional um, high school gazette course. And then they've actually went even further for for some of the students that they they like playing and they like activities, but they don't like your typical basketball, hockey, etc. They're actually doing like individual games. So where they go in and they're moving and they're learning new activities, but more on an individual basis. So like they're going on bowling trips and they're and they're playing lawn darts and they're doing like frisbee and learning more smaller games for the kids that that don't want to be doing the traditional sports all the time. Yeah. That's so cool. that's yeah. yeah. So we've seen this really nice umbrella come out to, to specialize right. towards what the, the students want. Yeah. But unfortunately, if things keep on changing then those specialized courses will be dropped which is as a teacher is really frustrating yeah for sure and then at last like kind of getting the politics thing like I, I realize that there's there we've overspent in the past in the province but it's just i think that when if students first is having these specialty courses and if they're not there yeah that's so valuable yeah because um, like imagine probably, having yeah. a fitness class in yeah. uh in high school yeah like, and like you, it's cool, like, really nice group of boys right now in the fitness class period one. And, uh, you know, the one kid couldn't squat. And now we're, what, two months in? And he's A to G, back squats. He's like, did you see that? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, man, I couldn't do that before. And he's a goalie. And, <clears throat> it, you know, he's 95 pounds on the bar. But A to G, um, you know, couldn't break parallel at the start. And doing, I don't know, it was 10 reps with 95 pounds. 
That's awesome. Yeah. And like, you know, it's just, it's great for confidence. Yeah. And then also like we were talking about before, it's, it's almost like a holistic thing, right? Yeah. It's so valuable. Like all of a sudden you're, you go play hockey now and you feel a little bit better yourself. And then yeah. you're in the hallways, maybe feel a little better yourself. And well, then, you're going to be better to others too. Right? Yeah. Yeah. If you're happy, it's a lot, yeah. it's a lot easier being a nice person. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's a big part of it. Right? Yeah. That's so cool. Cause to me, it's like, well, how do you get a kid to value health and fitness? You show them that it helps them in yeah. other areas of life Yeah. because the weight room can be, yeah. I mean, I think we all like it, mm-hmm. but not a lot of people well, will I, enjoy yeah. it. I, I didn't really know how to go to the gym until I was like to actually go in the gym and do a proper workout. I was probably 23. Yeah. Right. Where it's really cool. Like these, they're, they're coming in, they're getting a credit to learn about how to be healthier. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, like what's, what's, what's better for these students, right? Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. Cause he's making that connection. He's like, Oh, I'm better at hockey. Yeah. I'm feeling stronger. Yeah. Oh, I'm feeling more confident in the hallways. Like I, yeah. I can carry attention myself and in pay attention. Math yeah. And, science and first, and... first period of the day, like the reason I work out in the morning is because yeah. I'm clear after. You know, not everyone, like some people like working out later in the day. If I work out at 7 p.m., I'm not going to sleep. Right. Like I'll, I'll be, I'll be up all night. Yeah. That's one of the issues with jujitsu right now is yeah. trying to sleep after jujitsu. If, if I go back to that classes, six and seven, yeah, I get up at 4.30. Uh, Monday night I went and I did the no-gi at seven and then the gi class at six. And I went home. I, I saw two thirty on the clock. Oh, oh. man, that's close. Yeah, and yeah. it's just like it's, that's almost an all nighter. And I yeah. and I like getting eight hours of sleep yeah, a night, yeah. right? So you that's know, tight. and then yeah. I was saying this to a couple of the, the students in class. They're like, "Yeah, we knew you were a little grumpy." <laughs> yeah. One of the one of the students came in, and we were in the weight room, uh, and uh, he sat down on my desk. Like, hey, get get away from my stuff! Like, yeah, yeah. And then he's like, "Yeah, remember I came in? You said get away from my stuff." I thought that was. <laughs> pretty funny like oh yeah i was grumpy yeah, yeah. that morning yeah, me. <laughs> yeah so uh yeah it's just yeah and like i think being a teenager is getting harder and harder like you're just so connected all the time like right. social media um well like nutrition's confusing like information's great but excesses yeah, yeah and where we the technologies went so crazy that we have all this information but we haven't learned how to deal with it and that's maybe back to your high school question again. One of the things I try to focus on is, um, uh, is just how to be a good thinker. Yeah. Like try to try to block out that background noise, like all this other stuff and focus on what you want to be. Yeah. Because that's really hard to do.